when compiling a list of potential storylines from the coming training camp, everything is going to have to start at number two, other than the subject I'm about to raise. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you are into hockey and or baseball. I also offer, not coincidentally, daily shots of the other two teams in town that I cover, the Penguins and Pirates. Hope you'll check those out as well. We are down to nine. Is it nine? Yeah, today's the 18th. Camp opens on the 27th formally. Nine days until Latrobe. And and all of your various offensive line battles and what kind of shape is this guy in and who's going to be at what corner slot and this inside, outside, everything else is going to vanish like this. The moment number eight throws a pass. Meaning in one of those real live 11-on-11 drills on Chuck Knoll Field. And we're going to be judging every play as if it's a potential trend. Oh, he threw deep. This is the year they throw deep. It might not be. But that's what we're going to do with it. Okay? You know this, and I know this. And we also know, together, that all that's going to come out of it is going to be Matt Canada in one direction or another. Probably not the other. I have already been up to here with Canada discussion in general, but especially as it relates to this one thing. And I know you've heard it. Maybe you've even said it. Is he going to hold Kenny back? That comes up so often that I actually work to avoid it on this show just to not sound like every other everything out there about the team. Is he going to put an offense in that is Kenny-proof, whatever that might even mean? The first few games of Kenny's career-proof, meaning when Kenny was throwing all those interceptions and refused to put the ball up into the 11th row of seats, Is he going to be as conservative as he was with Kenny? Is he going to be as conservative as he was, for that matter, let's not forget, with Ben Roethlisberger? Because he was. He was. He found a way through some kind of means, presumably by having Ben agree to all this before the season, and speaking not only with Mike Tomlin, but all the way up to Art Rooney, that, hey, we'll have you back, but you got to be coached. So Ben goes and he tries to make sure that he preserves his life behind that offensive line and just gets rid of the ball in less than 1.5 seconds from the time Marquise got it to him. So the offense was never going to show any kind of imagination and the offense was just never going to be anything. And it wasn't, except for those rare occasions, generally late in the game when Ben would just say, you know what, hell with it. I'm going to just get this team down the field my way. But now the storyline's a little bit different because Kenny is entering his first full season as starter. His first full season after his first full offseason to be able to prepare as the number one guy to work with his receivers, not just in formal settings on the south side, but in a lot of little private camps and get-togethers. He's the guy now. And he's going to have 
what I'm sure Ben wished he'd had in his final season, a decent offensive line. I mean, it could be really good, too, but I'm not going to go that far. He'll also have a running back. Who's more mature, ready to make an impact in Najee Harris? Heck, he'll have a second running back in Jalen Warren. He's going to have weapons. He's going to have what he needs. And you want to know something? Canada's not going to hold him back. The next person in that locker room who speaks so much as a syllable on or off the record about this offense being limited or restrictive, including, by the way, Kenny himself, will be the first. Now, what they will say is that the playbook hasn't expanded into multiple volumes. It's still the same playbook. But they also saw and were shown, I should say, evidence of how poorly they executed a lot of those plays. Who missed what and why? And, of course, from there, why, in some cases, those players are no longer here. There is no one, no one, no one inside the Steelers' fold suggesting that Kenny's going to be held back. Is the offense still going to be something that prioritizes not turning the ball over? Yes. That's only because Tomlin is still the head coach. And I'm pretty sure that he values not turning the ball over way more than he does any touchdown. Those are the parameters that are put in place. That's what Canada's told to work with. That's what he works with. Heck, Canada said that himself, in essence, at this minicamp just now. He said, look, I'm told what to do. That doesn't mean somebody's writing the place for him, but it means that from Art Rooney on down, There's a philosophy that's established. This is the kind of offense we want to be. This is what we feel will be effective for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the year 2023 with our roster makeup and our roster goals. So he's going to do that. Listen, you guys, you know, if you've been tuning into this show for any length of time, I am not the one to back Canada on anything. But I did say that I'm going to give him a clean slate here. Somewhat entering 2023 because he's there, you know, he's still there. And it is a different circumstance this year than the ones he's dealt with the first two. It might not be better. I think it will be, but it might not. All that we know for sure is that it's different. So Let's see how it goes. Let's see if he can expand upon some of the new tools that he's been given. Let's see if the route trees can become more intelligently structured. Let's see if George Pickens can do something other than run straight lines. Maybe he can't. Maybe it's a George thing. I don't think so, but we'll see. Only point I'm really trying to pound here today is that there's this mythology that he's going to just put some handcuffs on number eight. And I think that's everybody doing a preemptive strike on having their beloved young quarterback, heaven forbid, not play well for the first game or a couple games of the season so that there's a convenient person to bark at. Maybe it'll be Canada's fault, but maybe it'll also be Kenny's fault. Open-minded. Open-minded. When we come back, J1Q. 
This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Carrie, who asks, What do you think is possible for Minka Fitzpatrick this year? With Patrick Peterson behind him, and assuming Joey Porter Jr. or Corey Trice hits the ground running, bearing in mind that T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith should be causing more pressure on quarterbacks this year. If, Kerry, you're referring to an interception count, I'm not going to simplify Minka's impact that way. I know it's the best when he picks off the ball. As I was saying in the opening segment, uh, there's nothing tantamount to a turnover in the sport of football. It just, well, like the saying goes, it it flips the field. Everything just turns upside down. And if it's Minka and he additionally can get you a few extra yards on the interception return and everybody gets all geeked up and it feels like the game is going your way, then all concerned end up operating with a lot higher level of confidence. It's, it's, It's just a great thing. I'm not downplaying it. And the fact that the Steelers were tied for the NFL lead as a defense last season in interceptions with 20 is just wow. And it feels like that doesn't get applauded enough, you know? And Minka, of course, is the biggest part of that. But when I think of Minka and the damage that he can do on a football field, I'm going to go back to that opener last season in Cincinnati, and you knew I was going to say that, right? Have you ever seen him like that? He was playing, I was going to say with a controlled anger, but it was way beyond anger. That was that looked like hate. And I know he doesn't like those guys. He doesn't like listening to them, and they do talk a lot that Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, even Tyler Boyd, our guy, they'll talk it up. And he doesn't have much of a stomach for it. He's just out there to play. He'll he'll say his own thing occasionally, according to the people around him, but it's not going to be a a jabbing session, right? He's all business. But when he was facing those guys, he did things in terms of not just the pick, the pick six, I should say, but in terms of uh, his coverage, his ability to make stops, big stops up at the line, get up there when it was needed, when Joe Mixon needed to be brought down. He's not shy about that. We've seen that about him. That was one of the funniest, by the way, missed uh, scouting reports, if you want to call it that, when Minka was acquired from the Dolphins, the people who were trying to knock the trade from the Pittsburgh perspective, which is now hilarious, we're saying that he doesn't like to tackle. He doesn't like the action. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? Would, would you have gone back through your social media accounts and just deleted everything that you ever said about Minka after something like that? He is a complete football player. He is an elite football player. Take away his position. Take away his role. He is a football player 
player. And I can't wait to see what the next level of that is, let alone his interceptions. That dude is headed hard for the Hall of Fame, and it's going to be an absolute joy observing the rest of his career here in Pittsburgh. I appreciate the question. I appreciate any question about Minka, as you can tell. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Steelers as well. Let's do another one of these tomorrow. 